Going, mate. How are you? Yeah, really good. Excited to um, be back again, just the two of us. No guests on this one. Um, and a really warm winter's day here in Sydney. What's the weather like over there? Yeah, mate, we're actually 21 today, which is like probably the warmer than it gets in summer. So I've been loving life. I've been going for a walk, been out in the car, listening to radio, not much you can do when you're freaking locked down, but trying to get out as much as possible. I mean, luckily we just, we, um, we, we, we're rent vesting now with some family members to try and get us through this COVID season. And we've been fortunate enough to uh, rent a place with a nice pool over in Mooney Pond. So, mate, we've just been sitting outside, sunbaking. Well, one, one day of sunbaking because we're still in winter. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's wrapping up to be it's gonna, – it's going to be a nice summer, I reckon. Yeah, for us here, 24 degrees today. So not bad, sunny and 24 in, in the middle of winter. And I think it's going to be 27 tomorrow. So can't complain, apart from like- the lockdowns, obviously. I like it very much. What do we uh, what do we call these ep- these types of episodes again? Is it is there a market is there a market analysis? Yeah, oh, I just think I don't I don't think we particularly gave it a name, but we're just historically going back and having a look at as much data we can. Um, I know the last one we did we did um, a few properties, three or four properties over in Maroubra, so to kind of give a snapshot of one of the um, more affluent suburbs in Sydney. Uh, and and this time around, we're we're going up north. We're going into Brisbane and we're going to hit new farm. So we've got um, two houses and, and two strata titled apartments um, or units uh, to dive into. Interestingly, we just spoke off air. There's a lot more transaction uh, that's been happening across pretty much all four of the properties that I've selected for us to have a chat about. So that was really interesting. I mean, I mean in Maruba, there was maybe two or three over the last 30 or 40 years. And, and we're having a look here. There seems to be like six, um, some seven, eight uh, transactions over the last, say, 30 or 35 years. So I don't know. I, I don't know if we, if there's anything to kind of read into that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a pretty interesting one. I mean, I don't know. I was having a, a yarn before and I, I thought maybe it's more investor heavier and maybe there's more transactions happening, but that wouldn't necessarily explain things. I mean, as an investment, you kind of want to sit and hold it as well. So uh, I guess we'll probably throw it out to the listeners then if, if you guys know um, a good reason or um, circumstance about why there might be a little bit more transactions over here. I mean, maybe we've just picked four properties that have had a lot of transactions, but <laughs> if it's a thing, let us know and, and let us know the reason we'd, we'd love to. And I think pretty timely going into uh, a Brisbane <laughs> Brisbane area with the Olympics and everything else like that. Uh, I, I swear it wasn't planned or anything like that. I mean, I've, I've been meaning to get off my bum and do something over in Melbourne and uh, just been chock-a-block. So um, Joey's been kind enough to source some some different types of properties for us and have a little bit of a look in. And I've never been to Burriti, but um, looking at some of these places, I mean, they're, they're in some nice areas. I mean, New Farm's actually quite close to uh, the, the CBD and we are just having a little little ponder over where the Gabba was and so it seems pretty central I mean have, have you been over there Joey and I mean have you like walked the streets or anything like that I have yeah and it's that's I mean what the, the beauty of a suburb like this like it is smack bang in, in the middle of the CBD but you've got um, like beautiful owner-occupied houses that you could um, walk to the to the middle of the CBD in uh, really picturesque Queenslanders um, and like I mean everything and when you're talking in, in central to the city, everything is quite uh, commutable to one another and just really interesting for, for all of the properties. I know we kind of said that um, there were plenty of transactions, but just really interesting to see that having a look at the spreadsheet in terms of just plugging in, in the data, 
to see that the overall trend for all of them has just been north, right? So all of the data has kind of been late 80s, early 90s to date. Um, all the properties transacted within the last, I think, eight or so months. And, and everything is just kind of tracked north as you'd kind of expect. But a beautiful part of the world um, I was meant to be up there recently. Um, but obviously with COVID, that's not ha- hasn't happened. So it has been uh, about 18 months since my last, no more, since pre-COVID last time, um, since my last visit to Brisbane, so long overdue. Yeah, mate, I think next time you go down, I'll have to come with you, get the get the thing so. out, go, go for a bit of a stroll and hopefully uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll have a sunny, sunny brisky. Um, all right, well, I'm seeing some commonalities too, same with the last one about the sort of units versus houses and how they perform over the long term. And I hope, you know, these types of episodes as we start to go all around Australia, maybe paint a little bit of a clearer picture to the younger generation or people first getting into to new properties. I mean we've talked about a thousand times with stepping stone properties and everything like that, but um, definitely see some commonality and trends with the different types of dwellings and how they perform. But um, uh, I'll stop lingering now. We'll jump into the first one. So the first one's eight slash 90 Harcourt street, new farm. Um, First transaction that we've got recorded is in 1989 for 87,500. I wonder if they did any sort of negotiations for that price, (laughs) but um, yeah, pretty, pretty nice and early there. Um, next transaction was in 1991, so we only had uh, two years later for 98,000, grew $10,000 at 12, 12% growth uh, or 5.8% compound growth there. Not bad though, right? Like, yeah, those numbers don't sound huge, but when we're talking about the percentage growth, like as, as a percentage, it's pretty sizable. Yeah, it's, it's pretty decent and, and it you know, stays pretty consistent for a little while as, as those transactions start to occur. So again, we're selling in 92 for 102, uh, which was which is one year later, $4,000 worth of growth and 4% growth there. Um, again, in 94. So we're almost like two, one, two, like selling pretty quickly. We had another three grand worth of growth. Uh, so that sold for 105 in 1994. So another three grand of growth and 3% uh, growth over that. And then we didn't sell till 2003. So we've had a bit of time now. We've had nine years uh, and that sold for 215. It's 110% growth, oh, sorry, 110,000 worth of growth. Uh, and we grew by 105% and that's a compound growth rate of 8.3. So looking quite strongly there, it'd be interesting to see sort of what time frame, what happened in, in those time frames. Uh, and then we didn't, didn't sell again until 2009. We sold for 353, which is six years later. So 353,000, six years later. Uh, had another growth of 138%, which has uh, now come down to 64%. Uh, but again, we're, we're at a strong 8.6% compound growth uh, over that six year period. Uh, and then the last sale we sold in, uh, this year, we sold for 435. So 12 years later, we only sold for 435, which is only $82,000 worth of growth. Uh, only grew by 23% in that time and a compound growth of 1.8% over that 12-year period. So maybe pretty unfortunate if you purchased it in 2009 and then uh, you're still holding it on to, to today or sold it just today. Um, pretty pretty lack, lack of an investment there. And it'd be interesting to see if it's sort of, you know, we feel like it was overpaid for in 2009 and, you know, slowly just caught up. But Joey, what's the, what's the takeaway from that one, mate? I think the takeaway is to obviously when we're buying to make sure that our, our time horizon is longer than the one to two years. Cause I mean, let's say you're any of those purchases back in 89, 91, 92 or 94, 
and you had have held on till 2003. So you had that horizon of, say, circa 10 to 15 years. You would have seen that growth um, that um, I assume all of those other buyers were looking for that they didn't get. They're talking about gains of maybe three, $4,000, whereas that one buyer who held it for nine years saw the $110,000 gain. Um, so that's something to be, to be quite mindful of there as well. And, and I think it's going to um, draw a pretty good comparison to, to the house or the two houses that we're going to be speaking about in a short period. But yeah, this, that's the one call that I just want to make that yeah, really important that, that our time horizon is, I mean, I know yours and our, mine is forever, but just to really make sure that it's more than that um, one to two years that some of these uh, investors or owner occupiers, not sure what they were at the time, what, what we're getting into. Yeah, so um, to give us a, an overview, over a 32-year period, we've had a compound growth rate of 5.14%, which isn't terrible. Um, but, you know, if the Australian market's performed at 6.8% on average, it is it is below that. So something that we want to sort of view there, probably one thing I didn't clarify was it's a it's a two-bedroom, one-bathroom, one-car garage uh, unit um, in a block of, not too sure, but it sounds like, you know, being number eight, uh, it looks like a fair fair few. I mean, the, um, the layout looks pretty good. Um, separate bathroom, two separate bedrooms. So it looks pretty clean, but yeah, in a, in a block of a fair few there. Um, Joey, do you want to walk us through this next one? Yeah, so the next one is um, 6 of 267 Murray Street, also in New Farm. Um, again, the, the property just rated this year as well. Um, there was a, a fair few transactions that, that had taken place uh, over the, the course of the last 28 years. We're looking at, again, another two-bedroom, uh, apartment it's got a, a car space as well a couple of balconies um, kitchen living dining seems to be somewhat open plan as well so coming going right back to the, the first bit of data that i could find was back in 1993 when the property was purchased for one hundred and forty thousand uh, dollars, and then two years later for one hundred and sixty five thousand dollars, so a twenty five thousand dollar gain 18 uh, percent growth there and then again four years later for one hundred and seventy six thousand. So just $11,000 gain there. So going from 18% down to 7%. And then the, the next person held on again, similar to the last property they held from 99 to 2010. So they, they gave it 10 years plus. They actually gave that one 11 years and saw $314,000 profit, selling that one for $490,000. Uh, and so they saw a growth of 178%, uh, which is more where we're talking again. And it kind of echoes the last property at Harcourt Street, just the person who held on for that 10-year, circa 10-year horizon saw the gain. Uh, and then interestingly, three years later, from, so from 2010 to 2013, um, we actually saw a decrease of $45,000. So that person sold it at $445,000. So for, for a bit of a loss there, negative 9%. Um, and then coming into the next bit of an upward cycle of the market, um, three years later into 2016, they probably transacted for 577000 So that person made a gain of 132 k um, So that's a 30% growth there. So not too bad as well. And then five years later, so taking it to this current year, uh, the most recent purchase was at 655000 So a $78,000 gain, um, 14% over the course of 28 years was sitting at 5.67%. Um, so not too dissimilar to the last property. Um, potentially, there was a yeah the interesting transaction around 2013 with that with that loss of forty five thousand dollars. How do you see that one, Jordan? 
Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And again, I think we sort of nailed it on the last one. I think I think there must have been a, a period, or looks like based on the data, a pe- period of pretty strong growth um, between the, the 2000 and the 2010s. And um, it almost looks like they probably overpaid for it in 2010 and then had to, you know, suck their losses up three years later and sell it for a loss, which is nothing, something we never really want to see. Um, it's not too bad, but yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. But then again, another three years later, sold for 577,000. So there may be something in that transaction in 2013. I don't know, maybe they sold it to a family member or something like that. But yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to have a look at sort of the market cycles over there around that time period, because if they just hold it, held onto it for another three years, you know, they would have seen some significant growth from that as well. So pretty interesting to see. I mean, that kind of wraps up the units there and um, pretty similar in terms of growth. Um, we'll, we'll jump into the first house. So this is uh, 84 Langshaw Street, uh, New Farm. So we got a four bedroom, two bathroom, two car garage, um, just under 500 square meter block of land. Um, looks very nice, I, I will admit. Yeah, beautiful look, Queenslander. Beautiful Queenslander. Um, obviously fairly recently renovated. Um, you know, nice floorboards all the way through. Uh, and you guys can feel free to sort of jump online and have a look at them while we're going through it as well. But um, yeah, really, really, really beautiful Queenslander. Um, so our first transaction was back in 1982 uh, for $62,000. Mate, if I was alive then, uh, I would have purchased it if I could. <laughs> then we held up onto that one for 12 years in a transaction, trying to transact again at uh, $228,000. So uh, this was in '94. That's 166,000 worth of growth and 268% of growth since then with 11% compound growth rate. Uh, I held on to it for another five years and sold it for 329, which is 101 worth of growth and 44% growth since then. Held on to it for another six years. So what I'm seeing here is, you know, obviously the, the time periods of holding on to these assets is much longer in the houses, uh, which is quite interesting. So I held on to another Six years, sold in 2005 for $737,000, which is $408,000 worth of growth, another um, 128% worth of growth and compounding at 14% over that six-year period. So pretty phenomenal. And again, there, you know, that's kind of within that time period of where we saw a bit of a growth in the units. Sold again in 13, which is eight years later for $1.2 million, which is another $463,000 worth of growth. Uh, and 68, I'm sorry, 63% growth since then, compounding at 6%. And then we held on to another seven years after that, just sold last year in 2020 uh, for $2.75 million, uh, which is uh, $1.5 million worth of growth in a seven-year time period, uh, which is 129% worth of growth and compounding at 12%. So really strong compounding numbers there. All up, we've been um, held, or looking at this asset over a 38-year period, and it's compounded at 10% or 10.49%, so nearly 10.5% there. That That is pretty phenomenal, mate. Uh, I wouldn't mind getting that one back in, in 82. Yeah, I think the the one thing that I wanted to call out is obviously the, the level of finish, right? So I, I, in, from going back and having a bit of a look, between 2013 and 2020, there was a renovation done to the property as well. So some of that $1.5 million gain um, was manufactured e- equity. Um, but then, yeah, as you mentioned, really interesting. Obviously, it's been traded a lot less uh, and might, may well have something to do with the owner-occupier versus investor um, mindset potentially between the apartment and the, and the house there. So maybe the, the houses are more 
owner occupier rather than the apartments being more the investor style stock. Um, so again, a, a beautiful property, but as you mentioned, like having picked that up for 60,000 bucks, I know that was a lot of money back in the eighties, but um, yeah. And it just shows that if you were, had the capacity to, to hold that property, you'd be sitting on um, a fair bit of, a fair bit of cash today. Um, just a, yeah, just a beautiful property. I just really love that, that Queenslander style. Um, and if we wanted to move over to the next one, we're going to jump into 30 Chambers Street. Um, similar style property um, in terms of uh, that the, the same weatherboard style, um, wouldn't call it a classic Queenslander like Langshaw was, but looks really nice and coastal. Um, definitely some work has been done to the property. Um, and we got a bit of data to, to go back and look at. So we're going back to 1988 uh, when I the, the first bit of data that I could find there and the property transacted for $113,000. It was then sold five years later, so in 93, uh, for $177,000. So $64,000 uh, gain there, 9.4% um, compounding growth. Uh, and then seven years later, so and that sold in the year 2000 for, for $268,000. So a $91,000 gain uh, with 6.1% uh, growth. And sorry, I should have rattled off some of the stats about the property as well. Just keep going through the data for the time being. Seven years later, again, 2007, sold just under 800K uh, with a $527,000 gain. So that's 197%. Growth on purchase and 16.8% um, year-on-year growth there. And then 14 years later, so some, some real good uh, time horizon there. So just sold now for $2.5 million. So a gain of just north of $1.7 million, um, which is, yeah, 214% growth. Uh, Jordan, you, you got the listing in front of you there. Do you just want to give us a little bit of info on, on the property? Yeah, and this is it's it's pretty interesting to have a distinction between this one and the last one. So this is a six bed, four bath, two car garage, um, smaller block of land. So we've got four hundred and forty three meters square worth of worth of land there, and it's quite interesting. Like it, it, it's quite a nice dwelling, but it's definitely not as nice or, or well renovated as the last one, um, the the Lambshaw one. Um, and you know, uh, with the difference between the price tag there, it's pretty interesting to see that you know a really nice renovation can have a massive impact on a property too. I mean, they've both got pools. They're both quite similar. This property is bigger in terms of bedroom counts and bathroom counts. Four layouts, quite similar, you know, same sort of Queenslander look. Um, but yeah, good, good, really interesting distinction between the two. I mean, you know, this one was sold this year, which is kind of coming a little bit out of that COVID craze and not sure when specifically, the last one was purchased in 2020, but, you know, selling for nearly 250K more. Um, bigger block of land, which makes sense, but um, pretty pretty interesting to see, Joe. Yeah, I think a lot, a lot of that has to come down to the fact that it is a, that, that Langshaw is an out-and-out -out Queenslander. Um, so plenty of character and charm and, and the owner-occupier uh, places a, a premium on that. So there's definitely got that kind of character to it that, uh, perhaps Chambers doesn't quite have, but as you mentioned, there's more house for your, for your money here. But it just goes to show that uh, it comes down to there are streets within streets. We're talking about the same suburb, only a stone's throw away from each other. Uh, and then it's actually yet yeah, the actual the, the dwelling versus dwelling. So not all property looks and acts the same. I just wanted to kind of call out there that 
there were longer time horizons again, so that mimicked the, the other property and did differ from the apartments that, that we looked into. Uh, and then the, the other major, major call out was those owners that saw the, the best growth and that had the best results were the ones that held the properties for, for the longest time period. And that was the same for the apartments and the same as it was for the houses. So the key takeaway from mine is buy the thing and just hold on to it. Uh, if any of these other owners had just hung on to the thing from 98 through to now, they'd be be sitting north of $2 million gain over that time period. Obviously, that the houses have been renovated and, and that needs to be taken into account. But the, the over, overwhelming message is buy and just hold on to the thing. Yeah, I think you touched on a really good point about the distinction between the two houses. So obviously, we've got a breakup of two dwelling types here. Um, but, you know, one of the other fundamental driving factors, well, number one is owner-occupier appeal, and that's kind of why we see those houses do a little bit better over the long run. But the second one is some sort of uniqueness. Um, and as Joey was mentioning, the, you know, the Langshaw property, the Langshaw property, um, you know, really did have a bit of a, a distinction in terms of uniqueness with that, with that look and feel that it had. And so, you know, yes, they're both houses. Yes, they've both got owner-occupier appeal, but one's got a little bit more uniqueness than the other. And Yes, the renovation was quite nicer, but you know when you when you're talking a twelve month period, and um, you know one of them sold for the the one that sold it uh, twelve months prior sold for two hundred and fifty k more, um, you know pretty 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 big distinction if you ask me, and so you know that's when that that character or uniqueness really really comes into factor, and so markets within markets, streets within markets, but also dwellings within streets, and then uniqueness within dwellings, like it's you know there, there's a lot that does go into the price of property. Yeah, and I think that uh, Langshaw, you could probably add a, it'd probably be worth over over three million dollars now. So that sold um, kind of mid to late last year. So as everyone's kind of aware, the market's moved well well north in the last at least six to nine months. So you could put a little bit more on top of that two point seven five that it sold for. So there's probably a half a million dollar difference between the two, and it does come down to that owner occupier appeal and that character. Uh, but just having another look at the spreadsheet that you got open there. And the, the one that's ringing home true is, is that last column where you've got the uh, overall growth rates compared with the apartments and the houses and, and the apartments are essentially half of what the houses have done, right? So we've got 5.14% uh, and 5.67% for the two units. Uh, and then the houses are ones at 9.9 and the others at 10.5%. So just... I don't know. Would you say, Jordan, that they've performed twice as well? <laughs> you probably could say that, definitely. Um, you know, and even it's, a, it's over a longer time period as well. So, you know, uh, the units are over sort of a bit of a 30-year on average where the houses are over sort of a 35-year on average there. And so, you know, even over a longer time period, the compound growth has been stronger since, since day one. And I think, you know, it's a pretty essential takeaway from some of the fundamentals that we always go on about, about, you know, land size and, um, you know, dwelling type and uniqueness and all these things that we've touched on a thousand times. But, you know, hopefully these episodes start to, it starts to sink into those types of people and, um, you know, investors sort of looking at getting into the market and or should I get into a unit because it's a little bit easier and sort of uh, easier on the price point and be able to get into it. Um, or should I hold out for a little longer and, you know, potentially get into a, a bit of a better asset and I guess that comes down to everyone's individual unique circumstances and, um, you know, the market conditions and everything else like that. But, you know, th these are the things that I wish I had knew when I started and had a bit of a plan around 
how these things plan, plan out over time and what happens if I just wait for another two years, save a little bit more money and get into a much better asset. If I hold onto that over a 30 to 35 year time period, you know, I'm going to get twice the result as I would for just getting into a unit today. So I think that's a fundamental takeaway. Um, and, and hopefully we can start to keep unpacking that around Australia, Joey. Yeah, I, I just wanted to reiterate, we're not saying go and buy a new farm. We're not saying go and buy Maroubra, but we just really wanted to try and um, give some data around properties that have transacted multiple times over the last 20 to 35 years, uh, just to kind of give you just that information. You can kind of make your own informed decisions as Jordan alluded to then. And, and I mean, um, obviously the, the houses, particularly in that marketplace, and it was the same um, down in Maroubra, performed better than the apartments. But even if you if you were to go and buy that apartment, what's your strategy around it? Obviously, we saw that the unsuccessful um, churning over within one to two years, it didn't really work, right? But there were some gains to be had there for those that held the properties for nine to, to 12 years uh, in these two particular examples. So we're just yeah, really trying to give you some a bit of information you can kind of make your own informed nothing that we're kind of giving out is any kind of financial advice we're just reading out some some data of properties that have transacted and, and hopefully you can kind of uh, read between the lines there and make your own informed decisions based off uh, some some past results for for other uh, investors or owner occupiers that have purchased these properties yeah you gave me a good thought process there joe i reckon we'll do you know a couple of central locations all around the country, maybe one in each state or something like that, then let's actually pull out some graphs um, between the states and how they've all performed and everything like that as well and sort of do that unit versus house breakup and really see the trends over the long time. Maybe we'll even just do a, like a, a screen recording where people can jump onto the YouTube channel and have a bit of a watch there as well. But, um, man, I'm loving – I actually am genuinely loving these episodes. I'm sorry – if you're, if you're listening and it, it is a little data heavy and obviously you're not getting visuals with any of this sort of stuff, but um, I think, you know, just based on the numbers, <laughs> the emphasis that we put into the numbers, you can probably, you can probably tell that, you know, some things are a bit of a big jump and we see the reasons why with it, with the pictures and everything else like that. But um, yeah, some, some definitely some key takeaways from these types of episodes. And I reckon we can, we continue doing this, Joe. Yeah, Matt, absolutely. Really looking forward to the next one. It's going to be on you because we're going to go into your little neighbourhood, so I'm expecting some things. I might have to stay up pretty late tonight, mate, and get some get some data together. But, um, yeah, no, that, that, that sounds good, mate. Well, Joey, it's always a pleasure, mate. Um, thanks again for jumping on and providing some data to the listeners, uh, and uh, I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, mate. Chat to you guys soon.